0: I don't think I would get any argument from anyone in the room if I would make this statement. We are living in uncertain times. You can say that again, huh? Who would have thought that we would be at this place politically in our country? 65 years old, I have never seen this sort of uh, division. In Washington, in, uh, in the culture, in society, it splits families. I tell you what, uh, it's ugly, isn't it? We live in uncertain times. Who would have thought that we would be living in a culture where school shootings and the targeting of police officers, you know, will, will this area be next? We don't know. Who would have thought that the natural disasters like hurricanes and floods and the wildfires out west and is this because of global warming or just part of the the rhythm of the planet? We don't know. And that's not even to mention what you are facing personally in your own family regarding your own health, your own finances, your own marriage, your own kids, whatever season you're in, the season of life concerning your job, the lack of of a job, the loss of a job, the loss of a loved one. A financial reversal. We are living in uncertain times. Which is why we're going to be taking a look at the first few chapters of the book of Joshua over the next few weeks. You're stuck with me for the next nine weeks in a row. And we're going to be talking about uncharted territory, trusting God in uncertain times. Let me invite you to pull out your note outline. You'll find one nestled inside of your your bulletin this morning. And it's based on uncharted territory. It's based on this verse. If we could have the next slide, please. Joshua chapter 3, verse 4, we find these words. Then you will know which way to go, watch this, since you have never been this way before. That last phrase could be your biography. Since you have never Been this way before. If I don't miss my hunch, you are walking through circumstances right now. We've never been this way before. In your marriage, concerning retirement, your job, your lack of a job, you're losing your job, you're retiring from your job, your finances, as I said earlier, concerning your kids, your grandkids, regarding your marriage. You're fine, you know, we've never been this way before. That, that The sermon series is going to be for you because all of us are going through uncharted territory. And just as the Lord said to Joshua, you know what? There are some principles to learn. How do you navigate uncharted territory? That's going to be the thrust of what we're going to be discussing over the eight, next eight or nine weeks. This morning, I've titled this first message, A New Normal. Perhaps you're going through a season or a period of adjustment right now. You are in a new normal. Some people have just started school. You're in a new normal. i am just started teaching full-time seventh grade English. That is a new abnormal. <laughs> Pray for me. Seventh graders, they are far different from the sophomores, juniors, and seniors I'm used to dealing with. They are a different animal, see? You're going through a new normal. You're going through a new normal in your family. Your kids and grandkids are getting older. You're getting older too. Your health is adjusting. It's a new normal. The whole nation, Judy and I were talking, you know, regardless of where you are politically, I mean, I can't imagine what, what uh, Brett Kavanaugh and his wife and his little girls have been going through. You talk about a new normal. Wow. Or what Dr. Ford, what, what, what her family's going through. I and mean, that's a new normal. I mean, what's going to happen now at the Supreme Court level? Nobody knows. It's a, it's, a new, it's a new normal. God's people have been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. If you've got your biblical text with you, or to look on your note outline, that's going to probably be easier for you. Let me begin reading from the last chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. Interestingly enough, this will talk about the death of Moses. Incidentally, who wrote the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Who wrote that? Answer, Moses. You get to chapter 34, who's writing this? How do you write about your own death? Apparently, Joshua must have picked up the quill and finished chapter 34. See, I I lay awake at night thinking about this kind of stuff. Follow along as I read the first four verses. Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo. We've been there four times. Those of us who were there just a few weeks ago saw Mount Nebo. You can see it as we were down by the Dead Sea. Notice how place is mentioned from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah across from Jericho. Notice it specifically locates Mount Nebo. There the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the Negev and the whole region from the valley of Jericho, the city of Palms, as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to Moses, this is the land I have promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants." Moses I've let you see it with your eyes but you will not cross over into it. It's interesting and let me just pause right there. You we read this passage and you just kind of say, "Okay, well, well, whatever." Just a bunch of places. There are reasons those locations are there. Consider this next screen. Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo across from Jericho. There the Lord showed him the whole land. This is Mount Nebo right here. Do you see the Dead Sea? Here's the Dead Sea, Jordan River, Sea of Galilee. You with me? This is all of Israel. There is Mount Nebo. Remember, they started over here in Egypt. This is the Nile Delta. They cross the Red Sea. They go down through the Sinai Peninsula. Down here is the Ten Commandments area. This is Mount Sinai. They go up into this area and say, gee, we got to spy out the land. So they send 12 spies up here and back down. And then uh, because they had a bad spy report, because 10 of the spies were knuckleheads, they said, guess what? You're going to wander. By the way, they could have done this in a few months. But no, we're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until all of you die out, except Joshua and Caleb, the two spies that gave the the minority report. So they wander, 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 wander for 40 years and finally end up Here, Mount Nebo next slide and God says I'm not going to show you all the land watch what happens here there's a reason that this is given from Gilead to Dan he says Moses I want you to look north there's Gilead and those of us who were there a few weeks ago we were up here at Tel Dan next slide all of Naphtali guess where that is that's right here next slide The territory of Ephraim, and Manasseh, now he's coming down. His eyes are going this direction. Next slide. All the land of Judah, he has now moved this way. Next slide. The Negev, he's now in the dead. Do you see what's going on here? The reason that order is given geographically, and you've never seen this before, is because he is literally doing a counterclockwise vista of the entire Holy Land and God is, even though they, they haven't even crossed into the land yet. This means nothing to Moses, but to the reader, now we realize God is just showing him geographically this entire land, how's it end up? Next slide. The whole region from the Valley of Jericho as far as, you recognize this word right here? During the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah when Lot's wife turns into a pillar of salt That's where you see the the city of Zoar. This is the land, and we were in that area, the land of Sodom and Gomorrah. So standing on Mount Nebo, what's going on? He's looking to the north, and then God says, I want you to see all this area. And it's this counterclockwise movement. That's the reason those, those places are listed in that particular order there. Continue following in your text. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab. Remember, Moab, the land of Ruth, that is this area east of the Dead Sea. This is the land of Moab, the land of Ruth. He dies on Mount Nebo. As the Lord had said, he buried, God buried him in Moab in the valley opposite Beth Peor, but to this day no one knows where his grave is. Why did God bury Moses and so nobody would know where he's buried? Because God knows people that we would have made a shrine out of his, his, uh, his crypt, his tomb. And so God said, I'm going to bury him, and nobody knows where he is. Moses was, verse 7, how old was Moses when he died? 120 years old. By the way, how long did they wander in the wilderness? 40 years. How old was he when they started wandering in the wilderness? 80, dude, 80, wanders for 40 years in the wilderness, now he's 120, and you think, man, that guy, he must have been doing one of these deals. No, look what it says. Yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. That's a Hebrew idiom, that's, an, that's a euphemism saying, I tell you, this guy was still a stud. This guy, he, he's, not, he's not crippled or having trouble walking or thinking, man, I'm glad I got this stick. He's, he's doing fine, He didn't die of old age, is what the writer's saying. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plain of Moab for 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. By the way, they've been wandering for uh, 40 years in the wilderness. When Joshua was a spy, he was 40 years old. 40 years later, how old's Joshua? 80. He's now saddled with the responsibility at the age of 80. And by the way, he'd never been that way before. If he's 80 years old, where would Joshua have been born? Egypt. Have you thought about that? Joshua was Egyptian. He'd been born in Egypt. Became a spy at the age of 40, wandered in the wilderness because of these, the, the spy report for 40 years. Now he's 80, and now he can, now takes over leadership for Moses. Keep, keep reading. So the Israelites listened to Joshua and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Now watch what Joshua writes here. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those miraculous signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt. To Pharaoh and to all his officials and to his whole land. No one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Boom. And now they said, Joshua, now it's your turn. You're the successor, Jack. You get to take his place. Incidentally, for the last 40 years, and everybody died off, remember in the wilderness? The, they had only known one leader, Moses. How would you like that job? I'm now the successor. Well, that's not the way Moses would have done it. Where's Moses? You're not Moses. Man, it's a new normal. It's uncharted territory for Joshua not just for the people, for Joshua. Uncharted territory. How would you like to follow Moses? Wouldn't that have been fun? Well, no, I'm going I'm to do things right. Yeah? Well, you just got through saying that nobody ever did the miraculous. That nobody, there was never a person like Moses, and now you've got to follow him. Hope that goes well. Whew. Wow. Moses dies. They mourn for him for 30 days. New reality. Joshua chapter 1 beginning at verse 1. Follow along. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide. Moses my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will will extend from the desert to Lebanon, and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. How do you navigate, whether you're Joshua or the people, how do you navigate uncharted territory? I'd like to suggest to you three ways. Three principles that help us to navigate uncharted territory. This is the first. If we could have the next slide, I want you to mark this well. Facing uncharted territory will require a time of processing. Whether you're facing a new normal, whether you're facing something you've never done before, whether you're walking through a circumstance you don't know how to navigate, Wherever you are, listen to me, it's going to take some processing. What do I mean by that? Well, it would be hard enough to deal with the death of Moses, but now Joshua has to lead the people. See, he's dealing with two things at the same time. Isn't that the way it kind of works? You see, you're not only dealing with your health issues, you're dealing with your marriage, you're dealing with your kids, your grandkids, the things that jo- your job, a financial setback, you're juggling up. Remember the, on the old Ed Sullivan show, the guy spinning the plates? There's people out there nodding their head, and there's people out there going, Who's Ed Sullivan? You see, you're multitasking on so many fronts. Is it any wonder that most of us are stressed out? How do you navigate that stuff? Well, I think what we see, we, we see some stuff right here. Whether it's a new situation or dealing with a past situation, the death of Moses, you are going to walk through Stages of loss and grief. If we could have the next slide, I want you to take a peek at this. I had the privilege of seeing this lady years ago. She's passed away now, but she's she plowed um, new territory concerning this whole issue of uh, of death and dying. She wrote this classic book on death and dying, and basically what she says, Elizabeth Kubler Ross is: you will, regardless of your loss. Regardless of, of a death, whatever it is in your life that you lose, you lose a dream, you lose your marriage even though you're not divorced, you lose your kids, you lose your character, you lose your ministry, you lose your finances, whatever it is, you will walk through these stages and here's how it works. There's, and there, by the way, they're in a particular order. The first thing that you do is you, you will go through denial. This didn't happen. I refuse to believe that this has happened. This isn't happening. This is what you'll say. This isn't happening. The second stage that you'll face is this one of anger. At first, you'll deny it. The second thing you'll do is you're going to get mad. You will get mad. You will get angry. And you're going to get angry at yourself, and you're going to get angry at other people, and you're going to cast blame, and you're going to get angry at God. Well, after, after you've walked through that stage, watch what happens next. You're going to go through this stage of bargaining. Foxhole faith. If you get me out of this foxhole, God, I will serve you. You begin trying to bargain. You begin trying to say, okay, if, if you'll answer this prayer, if you get me out of this jam. The next stage. Does that sound like anybody you know? You're going to hit the pits. You're going to go through depression. And then the final stage is this one. It's true whether you lose a mate, lose a job, or lose your car keys. By the way, the greater the loss, the longer the process if you lose your place in line i can't believe that person did that denial you know what that makes me mad anger hey wait a minute will you let me back in line here bargaining no <sighs> now i'm going to be late <sighs> until you realize you know what i got to accept this thing now you'll do that in about 60 seconds When you lose yourself, your place in line, you lose your job, you go through the pain of divorce, your marriage hits the rocks, it's gonna be a long time. You lose a loved one, you lose a child, you lose somebody in your family through suicide, really long time. The depth of the loss will dictate the length of the process. I've told you this before, and I'm going to share it again. It's worth sharing. This is how it works. You're tooling along, and you don't see it coming. You hit a wall, a circumstance. You will hit the wall. When you hit the wall, you will spin. The length of your spin time depends upon how thick the wall is and what what your velocity is. If it's a big deal, big wall, and you're going fast, boom, you're going to spend a long time. Now, what people will say to you if you're a believer is, get over it. Trust Jesus. Well, that's, that's fine. But you are still going to spin. You have got to allow yourself spin time. Depending upon the speed you are going and the thickness of the wall. If you don't allow yourself spin time, you're not going to deal with this thing right. I remember when my, when my dad passed away, And my mother, watching her as a widow, she'd never never been this way before. It was uncharted territory. It was what's for all of us. Suddenly, mom began spending money. Have you ever seen that happen? A mate dies, and the other person begins spending money. See? And eventually, she, you know, it's almost like dad's on a long trip. What do you call that? Pretty soon we went to a stage where she was mad. She was mad at my dad. She told us that. I'm mad at your dad for dying. See? Well, suddenly it's, why can't you kids come over and rake my lawn? Why can't you pick up the slack? I mean, suddenly, we're, what it, what it did in terms of the family dynamic, everything goes into this spin, and pretty soon, dad's not coming back. See, what I think that's part of why. Notice what it says in verse one. This is just not some kind of psychological gobbledygook. I'm telling you, look what it says in verse two. Moses, my servant, is dead. Why does God tell Joshua that? Kind of like, here's a news flash, in case you hadn't noticed, your supervisor's gone. Oh. Joshua fully understood that, so why does God say it? Joshua, you need to get your arms around this thing. You need to get your arms around this, Joshua, and face up to the reality Moses is dead. That period is gone. You're in a new normal, buddy. This is a new reality. You have, and by the way, that's why it says, and it took them 30 days to grieve the loss of Moses. See that? Why? Because Jews understand something. What they said? What they tell my mom after my dad died? Don't make any major decision within the first year. Well, I'm going to sell the house, mom. Don't do that. I'm going to move to a condo. Don't do that. I'm going to go on a long vacation. I'm going to go on a cruise without dad. Well, it'll be without dad, but don't do that, Mom. See? It takes time to walk through. Are you giving yourself permission to walk through this thing? The courtesy of time. Not only that. But I think also, notice in the next verse, Moses, my servant, is dead. Do you see where it says that? What's the very next phrase? Now then, get the people ready. You're going to cross the Jordan. God will always have something for you new. So you need to come to grips with this thing. And it's going to take a little time based on this. I need to come to grips. This is where I am. And then God's got something new. Now then, get ready. Now then, get ready. Number two, facing uncharted territory will require claiming God's promises each step along the way. Notice what we see in the book of Joshua. It's right there in verse three. I will give you every place. Is that what it says? It does, but it doesn't end there. What's he say? I will give you every place where you do what? Interesting Hebrew phrase. Every place where you set your foot. What the implication is, this is gonna require a series of steps, Joshua. Whatever it is you're walking through, a failed marriage, the loss of a job, the loss of a loved one, a financial whatever your health, whatever it is, you're going to have to come to grips with this thing. And it's going to be a step-by-step process. If this is where God wants me to be, and this is where I am, I've told you this before, but it bears me saying again, this is, for me to get there, it's not gonna happen by wishing it'll hope, happen, or hoping it, this is where I am in my marriage, that's where I wanna be in my marriage. This is where I am financially, that's where I wanna be financially. It happens by you turning your feet in that direction and beginning to take steps. Look at the next blanks. Number one, it's intentional. You got to take the step. God's not going to take the steps for you. And some of them are going to be baby steps. And sometimes it's two steps forward and one step backwards. But you have got to take steps. Secondly, it's incremental. It's not only intentional, it's incremental. I don't get there by doing one of these deals. That's not the way it happens. I've told people, they call me, they've called me before at 10 o'clock at night, we need to talk to you right now. Why? About our marriage. Look, it's taken you 30 years to get this place. I'm not going to solve it in 30 minutes. It's still going to be there tomorrow. And so what it's going to mean is that, I've shared this with you before, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. If I wanna go there, it's not gonna happen by me looking this way. I've got to change some things. I've got to purposely turn around. By the way, when I walk this way, by definition, I'm walking away from something else. There are some things you have to walk away from. Whether it's a sin, whether it's a person that you've got no business being in relationship with this person. If you want to be there, you can't do it like this. You can't do it like this, see? You've got to intentionally turn and begin making incremental steps. It's gonna take some time. That's what God meant when he used that phrase. Every place you put your foot. And finally, number three. Facing uncharted territory will require you to trust God for a future you can't see right now. I'm referencing verse four. Look what it says in verse four. God says this to Joshua. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon. We looked into Lebanon about three or four weeks ago. We were up in the Golan Heights. It's up in the north. Really scary moment. We're up there in Lebanon saying, and we're talking to soldiers. IDF, Israeli Israeli Defense Forces. We're talking to soldiers. They're in a Humvee that, by the way, was made in Mishawaka. We're talking to these soldiers, and they said, yeah, Rockets were flying in this area a month ago. See that village over there by that hill? That's ISIS-controlled. What are we doing here? We were up on the Lebanese border, looking into Syria and Lebanon. God says... From the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. Let me make an observation for you. Joshua had no idea what he was talking about. Dude, Joshua was born in Egypt. He doesn't have Google Maps. He doesn't say, just a second, let me check the Rand McNally God says, by the way, Joshua, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon. What, what's, I never heard that word before. What's Lebanon? From the great river, the Euphrates. What river? All the, isn't it interesting? God lists these locations. Joshua has no idea what he's talking about. Why would God say those things to him? He doesn't know what these geographical places are. Here's the answer right here. It's almost as if the Lord's saying, Joshua, I I know you don't know where these places are, but I know where they are. And by the way, they're going to belong to you, and you're going to be there one day, buddy. And God is saying to you, look, I have a preferred future for you. I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. There are people in this room who are stuck. They're here, and they're saying, Man, I want to be there. I wish I were there. I wish that they were, I were there financially. You can get there financially, but it's going to take walking away from this and step by step moving that direction. It's not going to happen immediately. I wish my marriage were there. I wish I were married. God has a preferred future for you. You just can't see it yet. But that's okay. God can see it. And what he's asking you to do, like he's asked Joshua, you got to trust me for this thing. I not only can envision it, God says, I can see it. I know where this thing is. You can't see it, Joshua. Imagine that thing being out there, and Joshua can't even see it. And so what you're going to have to do, you're going to have to trust me every step of the way, buddy. Turn your feet and begin heading this direction. And I'll be with you, and Joshua goes, Got it, and we're going to discover the first thing he comes to is a flooded river, a swollen river. Oh, man. Now what? Now what? And by the way, on the other side of that, what's on the other side of that? Jericho. Lots of luck with that one. And Joshua's going, mm. and what's God say? Don't sweat it. Don't sw- Didn't I tell you I'm going to be with you every step of the way. We're going to get there. You can't see it, but you've got to trust me. By the way, that's what he's saying to you. And you know exactly what he's talking about in your life because it's the thing you're thinking about right now. he is worth trusting if i am willing to trust him for my salvation can i not also trust him for my future you trust many of us you trusted him to save you in the past can you trust him to sustain you in the present and lead you into the future. The reason I can trust him to sustain me in the present and lead me to the future is because I know what he's done for me in the past. Amen?